Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. All right, let's get to the message this morning. In the days of the uh, ancient Celtic church, around A.D. 430 to about 900 uh, A.D., one could see some exciting ventures on the high seas. Um, In fact, uh, the Welsh, Irish, and Scottish had long been making these small uh, boats from which they would launch into the sea to fish and move from place to place, place. These small boats were called coracles. Coracles. They were a, a small little boat that generally was designed to fit one or two people in the shape of kind of a walnut shell type of, of shape. Split willow rods were bent and interwoven into a, a frame, and then it was covered with animal hide, and the seams were tarred, and the boats were light. They were easy to carry from place to place, allowing there to be some movement and adventure, and generally they were simply propelled by paddles. The Celtic monks, however, by no means wanted to stay with just the one or two uh, little people in a boat, and they were quite adventurous, so they started to build larger coracles that would hold more people and that were able to set out into the ocean. And so they built these larger coracles because they were adventurous, and that was adventurous by itself, but additionally, these coracles by these monks were rudderless, and, uh, and so what would happen is, they had no oars or paddles, they simply had a sail, they would hoist the sail up on the big larger coracles that they had built, they would launch out into the ocean, and they would simply go wherever the wind carried them. How many of you think that's crazy? But they were trusting, the reason they did this is through much prayer and fasting, they were trusting that as they set out on their adventure and the wind would take them, that literally the Spirit of the Lord would direct them where they needed to go. And they would trust the winds of God would, tr- would take them where they needed to go so that they could share the gospel. And again, as they prepared for these expeditions, they would do so with prayer and fasting. And on one such venture, missionaries from Ireland on the south tip of Cornwall, uh, they, they blew, excuse me, blew missionaries from Ireland to the southern tip of Cornwall. And the king of that area came out when they finally landed. He greeted them. And when he found out how they had arrived on his island and how they had just set out for the spirit to move, he was so taken by that that he ended up giving his life to Christ and trusting in Christ and many of the people in his tribe and village did as well. The reality of setting out into the ocean without oars and just a sail is quite a scary venture, isn't it? It might seem absurd, but I think that it points to something that oftentimes is missing in the life of believers today. And that is that oftentimes we, we don't simply follow the wind and the direction and the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's something missing when it comes to this adventure of faith, simply putting up the sails and allowing the Holy Spirit to blow and direct us where He desires. Dr. Carolyn Tennant in a book called Catch the Wind of the Spirit wrote this, I believe that the Lord is asking us today, both as individuals and as the church corporately, to set sail again. 
to trust in Him. He's wondering if we're willing to, 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 to pull in our rudders and even throw away our oars and let the wind blow through our sails. You say, Pastor, is that biblical? Well, Jesus said this in John chapter 3 and verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Everyone who is born of the Spirit. You see, following Jesus is a journey. And that journey is one that involves movement and change and action. The Holy Spirit is actively involved, I don't know if you realize this, in, in, in directing our lives. The Holy Spirit is involved in directing our lives before we even came to salvation. How many know the Holy Spirit was involved in that? Preparing our hearts and preparing the way for us to even be able to receive Christ. And it's only by faith and because of this illumination through the Holy Spirit of opening up our eyes and our understanding for our need of Christ and the conviction of the Holy Spirit to our sin that you and I are even, that we are even saved. And we don't abandon that once we put our, once we have faith and once we give our lives to Jesus Christ and put our faith in Him, we don't abandon that for the very transformation that continues to take place, the very sanctification as we continue to grow in the Lord is led and directed by the Holy Spirit. And likewise, the Holy Spirit is leading and directing not only we as individuals, but also we as a church. So friends, I think it's time to put up our sails again. Tenet goes on to write this, too many of us have decided to stay on the shore while the Spirit wants to take us on a ride. We tend to have a preference of the known over the unknown, how much more comfortable it is to play it safe. But we are, what, what are we missing? We will never reach the new place God has in mind if we don't hop in and go for the ride. We're, we're too, I'm, I'm a planner, okay? Can I just be honest with you? I'm a planner. I like to plan things out. I like to be able to look out and, and be able to assess what are, the, what are the, the problems that could come up? What are the, the contingencies? What are the things? And I like to plan for those things and eliminate as much stress as possible. I like the known. Yet at the same time, when I look throughout the scriptures, oftentimes what I see with the moving of the Spirit is that you have to have an openness that sometimes your plan is not God's plan. And sometimes God wants to take you in a different direction. Sometimes God wants to move over here because there's somebody that needs to hear the gospel and simply your plan is not going to get you where God wants you to go. Sometimes we simply pray, pray and we say, God, here's what I want to do, bless it, when we ought to be saying, God, what are you blessing and how can I join you in what you're doing? How can I join you in what you're doing? You see, in our series, and we're talking about the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit in various areas of our life. And today, I want to look at the Holy Spirit and evangelism, the Holy Spirit and salvation. What is it today about the Holy Spirit that helps us in this work that He has called us to do in sharing the gospel with a world that needs to know Jesus? How many of you know there is a world that needs to know Jesus? There's a world that needs to know the Lord. And so I looked and, and I found a, a passage of Scripture, a story in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 8. And, and as you're turning there, we're going to be looking at that. Let me give you a little background as to what's happening in Acts chapter 8. As you know, the, the, the church began to grow and it started in Jerusalem. And the church was mainly around the area of Jerusalem. But all of a sudden, there was, a, there was great persecution. 
a, a deacon in the church by the name of Stephen began to preach boldly about Christ and miracles were being done. And all of a sudden he was confronted and he began to preach about Jesus Christ and he stood up and he declared that Jesus Christ was the son of God and he was, he was killed. He was literally stoned to death and standing by was a man by the name of Saul giving his approval. And that's kind of what led into this. And so in Acts chapter 8 in verse 1, it says, On that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Sometimes the wind of the Spirit moving us along comes in ways that are uncomfortable for us. Persecution is what had, had led to the scattering of people throughout Judea and Samaria. But I ask you the question, was that God's plan? I happen to think that perhaps the church got comfortable in Jerusalem and wasn't moving out to Judea and Samaria. And so the Lord brought about persecution to make his church a little uncomfortable and move them where he wanted to go by the Spirit's leading. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Acts 8, 1 verses 8, when, when, when Jesus was meeting with his disciples prior to the day of Pentecost and his ascension, he said to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth but where was the church Jerusalem the church had gotten comfortable in Jerusalem the church got comfortable moving from house to house and meeting in the temple daily for prayer. The church got comfortable with their feeding program and meeting needs, and yet they hadn't moved out to the areas of Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And so God began to move in the area of persecution to blow his church in a different direction. And there was another deacon in the church who wasn't even an apostle in the church by the name of Philip who was in that same deacon class as Stephen who had gone out through persecution and ended up in the area of Samaria. And while he was in Samaria, he began to preach the gospel where he was. So as he was moved where he didn't intend to go, he said, you know what? It must be the work of the Spirit leading me here so I'm gonna share the gospel where I am and he began to share the gospel in the area of Samaria and the people began to come to faith and there were great miracles that were being done and they baptized many including a magician and a sorcerer by the name of Simon Simon soon learned you can't buy the Holy Spirit and Jerusalem had heard about it and they sent Peter and John because they'd not yet received the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them and they began to receive the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and as a result of, of, of all of this, there is a great revival that is now happening in the city and in the region of Samaria. And then all of a sudden, the wind of the Spirit begins to blow Philip in a different direction. As Philip is is right there in the midst of Samaria and the revival that's happening. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26, says this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an official in charge of all the treasury in Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, and the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Let me pause for a moment. 
Do you see what's happening here? Here, Here's Philip in the midst of this revival. He's been moved by persecution and great revival. God is using him in the midst of great revival in the region of Samaria. And the Lord speaks to him and says, I've got a new direction for you. I've got a new road for you to walk on. I've I've got a new divine appointment for you. But he doesn't give him all the details. He simply says, I want you to go down to the road, the desert road. The desert road. And in fact, today I want to share with you two ways that we, we respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. First is to hear and obey. I put them together as one point, hear and obey. Because hearing without obedience just isn't complete. Hear and obey. In Acts 8.26, the angel of the Lord said to Philip. In Acts 8.29, the Spirit told Philip. Friends, when we're sharing our faith, we need to understand that we have to begin to tune in the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit. There are times when we're in the midst of our, our own schedule and busyness, in the midst of simply doing life, when the Spirit may whisper into our ears, hey, I want you to go over here. You might be in the grocery aisle, and the Spirit says, I want you to move two aisles over. And you're thinking, too, I don't need anything in two aisles over. Like, I don't even have anything on my list from, from that. And the Spirit says, no, I need you to go two aisles over. And as you go over, you might see someone who's just simply standing there, staring at, at, at the shelves and doesn't know why they're there or what to do. And you begin to walk around and the Spirit impresses on you. You need to go up and you need to talk to that person because they need my love today. See, we need to learn how to listen. You see, here it was in the midst of revival, in the midst of what's happening in Samaria, and the Spirit says, I want you to go to the road, the desert road. (laughs) The desert road. What? Who who goes to the desert road? There's great things that are happening here. Why do I need to go over there? There are times where it doesn't make sense where God leads, where God's Spirit says, I want you to go here. Doesn't always make sense and may even seem as if it's a bit of a desert road. But where God leads, he's got a divine appointment. There are people that need to hear the gospel, and many of them are in the place of the desert road. And God might lead you to a place that looks deserted, that looks dry, that looks empty. But it's in those places where he is preparing the heart of somebody that you need to share the gospel with. Can I encourage you, friends? To listen for the voice of God, to let him direct you, because often the Spirit doesn't speak in a loud, audible voice. But the still, small voice, you know it in your knower. You know it on the inside. You you begin to tune in and you feel the impression of the Spirit upon your heart. You see, if you want to be used by the Lord, we must discipline ourselves to learn how to tune in and hear his voice. Because the Spirit helps us in sharing our faith by prompting us and speaking to us. But not only does Philip hear, but Philip responds. In verse 8 and verse 27 of Acts chapter 8, it says this, he started out on his way. He wasn't given any other information except, I want you to go on this road and go over here. He wasn't given any other information, yet he started on his way. It reminds me kind of of Abraham, that when God appeared to Abraham and said, I want you to go to a land that I have not told you. I just want you to pick up and leave. I want you to move your family away from everybody else that you know, away from the very inheritance that you could inherit, because I've got a better inheritance for you. I've got something better. And the scripture says that by faith, Abraham went. 
By faith, he went to a land that he did not know. And I kind of think that's the way with, with, with Philip. Sometimes God leads us step by step. He doesn't give us all the information. He wants to see if we'll be obedient to the next step. God doesn't always give you all the details. He doesn't always lay out the entire plan. Like I said, I like the entire plan. But God doesn't always do that for us. And the challenging part of this was a step-by-step Access And so as he began, as Philip heard and obeyed and listened, and as he began, then as he went down that road, all of a sudden, there's a chariot, and there is an Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot, and, and he, he comes running upon that, that chariot. His obedience was to the angel was to arise and go, and the, the Spirit then began to lead him again, and he was used by the Lord to go to the very place where the Spirit was leading Friends, the Spirit will oftentimes lead you step by step where God wants you to go. And and we hear the voice of God, but then we respond simply to that next step. You might not know the whole picture, and it may not make sense to you. But as you respond to that next step, you'll find then in that next step that the Spirit begins to speak to you again. And you begin to to say, okay, I'm here. Now what? (laughs) Show me. Now what? And the Spirit says, I want you to go up there. Look at that chariot. I want you to run up on that chariot. I want you to go run up on that chariot. I don't think that makes any sense. I don't, I don't even know who's in there or what's going on. I want you to do it. Are you willing to, to, to be a part of the adventure when you don't even know what the Lord is doing, but you're following his lead? Let me encourage you to take the first step, and it'll lead to the second step. And here, here's the second point. Real quick, here's the second point. Not only do we need to hear and obey, but then when we're in that situation, number two, we need to initiate. We need to initiate. What do I mean by initiate? Well, let's take a look at the story. Acts 8, starting in verse 29 now. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading from Isaiah the prophet. And he, he, he asked him, do you understand what you're reading? And the man responded like this, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And, 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 and this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was reading from the book of Isaiah. He, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who, who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And the eunuch asked Philip then, tell me please, who, who is the prophet talking about himself? Someone else. And then Philip began with the very passage of scripture that, with that very passage of scripture. And he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What's keeping me? What's standing in the way of me being baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Did you catch what happened? Philip had to initiate. So the Lord led him to be near. Said be near. Be near the chariot. I want you to just go and be near the chariot. So for you and I, he might be leading us to a, opening up the door and we're in a, we're in a crowd. We're, we're near someone. We're having a conversation with someone. Maybe it's somebody we know. Maybe it's somebody we don't know. But you're in the midst of that. And, and not only do we hear the, the Lord's voice, but we need to pay attention and begin to listen to what's happening in the surroundings that was going on. See, part of the, the gospel, I think, that we've, we've gotten, we think the gospel is like a sales tactic. We've got to go and we've got to close the sale. 
We've got to go in and tell about all the wonderful things about Jesus and all this, and we've got to close the sale when sometimes what we simply need to stop and do is listen to what's happening and listen to the promptings that are happening and going on. God was already preparing the Ethiopian eunuch. He had already gone to Jerusalem, and he was going to Jerusalem because he wanted to be near God, but there was nothing in Jerusalem in which he was understanding. So he's heading back home, trying to make sense of it. God was already working in his heart. Friends, when it comes to sharing the gospel, it's simply not that difficult. It's simply following where God is leading and the hearts that God has already gone before you and prepared. You can't convince somebody that they need Jesus without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that goes before, that is preparing the heart, that is preparing the soil, that is preparing the seed. We simply need to pay attention. And when the opportunity arises, initiate a conversation. Initiate a conversation. And how does initiation often begin? Let me tell you a, a great way to initiate conversation. When you're, when you're listening and you actually stop and listen and do less talking and do more listening, a great way to start a conversation is what Philip did, and that is simply this, ask a question. Ask a question. Initiative begins with a question. Notice Philip said, hey, as he was paying attention, what was happening, it begins with, he says, do you understand what you are reading? Do you understand what you are reading? You see, the best way to engage someone is to, to start with a question. To ask them a question. Jesus oftentimes does this. He starts with a question. And the question opens up the door. And so as you start with a question, you begin to listen to the response. Listen to what is being said. And, and that's the second part. We listen. When we're, when we're asking a question, stop and listen. Don't already think in your head, okay, here's what I'm going to say next. Here's what I'm going to say next. Some of you do that in your, your relationship with your spouse. And it doesn't work there. And it doesn't work in evangelism. It doesn't work with sharing our faith. We need to stop and listen. So, so Philip is listening and the man says, well, how can I understand? He says, do you understand? He goes, well, how can I? Unless someone explains it to me. And so he invited Philip to come and to sit with him. And, and there's the open door. Come, come a little bit closer. You know what? You asked me a question. Come, let's talk about this. Let's, let, me, let me just share you with, with you where I'm at. I don't understand what's going on. Let me share with you where I'm at. And so then they begin to get to the heart. What are you, what are you reading? Tell me, who's this, who, who is this passage about? Is it talking about the prophet or about himself? Talk about an open door. Philip didn't have to come in with a pre-approved like sermon. He doesn't walk him through the Romans road. The Romans road hadn't even happened yet. There was no Romans road. He was simply throwing up his sails and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And like a tennis match, he, he, he followed the Lord, came up, and then initiated by listening with a question. He did the serve, and then he waited for the question to be answered, hit back, and then he responded, hit back, and he just began to follow back and forth as the Spirit was directing and leading and open up the door. The Spirit had already prepared the message. He was reading from the book of Isaiah. How do I understand this? And Philip is like, oh, okay, all right. Now I see why I was moved out of that wonderful revival that was happening in Samaria that I thought I couldn't leave because it was up on the mountain, but I had to come down here to the desert road because there was somebody else right down here on the desert road 
that needed to know about Jesus, that had gone to Jerusalem and gone to the temple and gone to the place where they thought they could hear what was happening about Christ, but they couldn't find it there in the temple. They needed to find it out on the desert road. Friends, there are people that will not come to faith because they will not come here in order to get faith. We need to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and get out in the desert roads, into the highways and the byways, and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Throw our sails up and let the Spirit lead us to those who need Him most. So then, thirdly, he responds. Philip began with that very passage of Scripture. He began where the man was at and told him the good news about Jesus. He responded to the man's question and began where the man was at. Friends, that's what we need to do to follow the leading of the Spirit. The Spirit is already prepping. If you will pay attention, the Spirit will give you the starting point in order to share the gospel. And then lastly, very, very important, give an opportunity for a response. I know that seems so like basic, right? But I think sometimes we are so nervous and wanting to share our faith and move on that sometimes we forget the opportunity to give someone a chance to respond, to respond to Jesus. An opportunity to respond to the word. Verse 36. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe in all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And he baptized him. When you begin to share, sometimes there's an opportunity for a response. Sometimes you might get, I'm not just ready yet. That's okay. We've been called to sow our seed, right? God's the one in charge of the work. But if you never give somebody an opportunity to respond, if you never lead them to a place where they can respond and say, I, yes, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Here's how we put my faith in Jesus. If we, never, if we never give that opportunity, then there might be a missed opportunity of someone the Holy Spirit has been leading and they don't know how to take that next step. Friends, give an opportunity for them to respond and then look, the wind of the sails, this is what happens next. I'm going to bring it to a conclusion here. But this is what happened. He hoisted up the sails. He went where God said. He did what God said. In verse 39, the spirit is moving again. This is supernatural. I've never had this happen before, but it's really cool. I wish it would. Now when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went away rejoicing. And he went away rejoicing. There are opportunities where, where we get to be in relationship with people long-term and a part of the discipleship process and journey. And then there are other times where the Spirit leads us to a conversation we didn't plan on with somebody we don't know. And we end up in a conversation where we plant a seed or where they respond and they receive Christ. And then they move on and you move on. And that's okay. That's okay. The question is, is where is the Spirit leading you see, the willingness of Philip to go anywhere and do anything that God asked him to, even with limited instructions, brought about the salvation and rejoicing of a man who did not know Jesus Christ. God saw the spiritual hunger of this eunuch, and he sees the spiritual hunger of people that, that are all over our community. They're in your neighborhood. 
They're at the place where you work. They're at the place where you go to the gym or the places where you hang out. They're on the baseball fields when you're at Little League. They're on the softball fields. They're in the soccer fields. They're they're out in the dance competitions. There are people that are everywhere on the road. But the problem is, is sometimes we're not listening and tuning in when the Spirit is leading us to share our faith. The Holy Spirit leads and directs. The Holy Spirit's part in evangelism is that in which he is preparing the hearts of those who God is is working on. And he's also leading and directing you and I to have divine appointments like Philip did. Divine appointments like Philip did. Now let me close with one last story to kind of bring it home. In 1985, Clarence Duncan arrived in Africa as a, a missionary to the solidly Muslim people called the Yao, who were mainly in the Tanzania, Mozambique, and Malawi area. And when he settled in his village, he called for a meeting of the elders, and, and after the pleasantries, the chief asked him, what is your name? And he simply responded, Mr. Clarence. The council looked at each other for a moment, and the chief asked him this question, Why are you here? And Clarence simply said, I want to tell your people about Isa al-Masi. Isa al-Masi, which simply means Jesus, the Messiah. A couple of months later, the chief decided that he could trust Clarence. And he said, do you know why we allowed you to stay? And Clarence said, you know, to be honest with you, I never thought about it. (laughs) The chief said, 21 years ago, a very old Yao man came to our village 21 years ago, a a very old Yao man came to our village. He called for a meeting just as you did. And we asked him his name and he responded, Mr. Clarence, which isn't an African name at all. And when we asked him why he came, he said, I want to tell your people about Isa al-Masi. These were your very words. The chief went on to say this, 21 years ago, Mr. Clarence led four of our villagers to follow Christ. So we ran him out of the village. We killed Mr. Clarence, and the reason we allowed you to stay is because we were afraid. That was back in 1985. And then he says this, two years ago on January morning, 24 Muslims elders approached Clarence Duncan's house on a January morning. After a meal, the leader sat in the middle of the room and said that they had come to ask questions about Christianity. So Clarence said, that'd be fine, but the only way that I'm going to respond to you is through the, God's word, the Bible. And so he handed out Bibles in everybody's native tongue. He had them in their, their language. He had Bibles. He said, we're going to look at the Bible. I'm only going to answer you with what's in the Bible so that you know it's not my words, but it's what's in the Bible. And they said, okay, that's fine. And so uh, they said to him in their language, they said, where, why do you Christians say that there are three gods? And so Clarence said, the answer is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4. And they turned the page and he showed them where it was. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And then he mentioned that Isa, meaning Jesus, said this very same thing in Mark chapter 12 and verse 29. And the questions went on and on till about five in the afternoon. For hours, they went on and on. And finally, before they left, the leader, Sheikh Abu Bakar, stayed and asked if he could see Clarence the next week. And when they met, Abu asked Clarence why they came to him last week. And Clarence said, I assumed that you had some questions and I was ready to answer them. And Abu said, no, it wasn't. It's because the Christian church is growing so fast. We had to kill you. 
We had consulted for three days. We prepared our magic. You were to be struck dumb when you were to answer any of our questions. You were to fall to the ground, paralyzed, and then die. But when you kept talking and even stood up and began to move around as you were talking, we realized that you had a stronger spirit, and we gave up. Then Abu said, I want to become a Christian. And he told this amazing story. Abu told this amazing story. He said, when I was a teenager in our village, we were not Muslim people. We were not Christian. We were simply Achua people in our own religion. Behind our village was a hill where I'd often go to pray. And one day I was up on that hill praying and suddenly all around me was a blinding light. And out of this light, I saw a big hand coming toward me, opening a big book. And I I looked at the book and there was writing on the page and the voice said, read. And I protested and said, I I can't read. I've never been taught how to read. I haven't been to school. And the voice said, read. And I did. And suddenly the hand in the book disappeared. He said, I went back to my village. Abu said, I went back to my village and the people looking for me uh, thought I had died on that hill. And they asked about the fire they'd seen up there. And when I told them the story, they laughed at me and they said, you can't read. That can't be true. You You must be dreaming something. And so someone got a book and I began to read and the people came from all around town to ask me questions about it. The Muslim authorities found me and they trained me in the ways of Islam. And soon our entire village became Muslim. For 15 years, I was the greatest debater against Christianity. He paused and he said this, do you remember when I asked you the first question, why Christians believe in three gods? And you turned to me and you said, read from the answers found in Deuteronomy 6, 4. And Clarence said, yeah, that's right. That's right. And Sheikh Abu Bakar looked Clarence Duncan in the eye and said this, that was the same passage the voice on the mountain showed me. And at that moment, I knew that the God you were talking about was the true God. So Clarence said, well, why'd you keep asking me all these questions then the whole day? And he smiled and he said, because I want these Muslim leaders to know what the Christians believe. And I wanted them to hear it from you. And so the whole day, I pretended unbelief so that I could ask more questions. And he said, now... I want to become a Christian. (laughs) Friends, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves when it comes to sharing our faith and evangelism. I I, I believe the spirit is moving and working. And, And I believe that the harvest, as Jesus said, is white. It's white unto harvest. But he's looking for laborers. People who are willing, like Philip, to throw up the wind of the sails and begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and obeying step by step because God will put you in positions and around people if you will be open and he has already prepared the hearts of those people to be able to receive him. He's simply looking for vessels who are willing to be obedient, who are willing to listen and obey and willing to initiate the conversation and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. For far too long, we've been comfortable with what's known, but the Spirit is leading us into the areas of the unknown because in the areas of the unknown is where we begin to lean in in faith to the Holy Spirit, and that is where we begin to see the supernatural miracles happen. Are you willing to follow the leading of the Spirit? 
Are you willing to listen and hear the voice of the Lord? Let's be ready to obey, to listen and obey and initiate conversation and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us to share Christ with someone that he's been preparing. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit right now, and I, 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 I just feel led to ask, is there anyone in here or maybe watching online that maybe you, <laughs> you need to come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Today in this service, maybe it was in the time of worship or maybe it was sometime during the Word, but you just felt the Holy Spirit speaking to you and you said, I need to respond. I need to respond to the Holy Spirit. I need to give my life to Jesus or I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I I need forgiveness of my sin and I need salvation that Jesus offers. If that's you, will you lift up your hand today? I want to lead you in prayer of faith today. I need to give my life to Christ today. Is there anyone at all? I need to give my life to Jesus today. Thank you. If you're online, if that's you, just put in the in the comments or email info at PainesvilleAG.com. We want to we help come alongside you in this journey. Secondly, today, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, I, I want to learn how to, how to listen and obey the leadings and promptings of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and the, the Lord has been just impressing upon you that I need to be more active in following the Holy Spirit's lead in sharing my faith. Maybe you struggle with fear and you need the boldness that the Holy Spirit provides. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. I want to learn how to tune in and listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to share my faith. Jesus, thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. And we just ask that you would make our our ears sensitive to your voice. That God, you would open up our eyes to see opportunities or to see the things that you're doing that you'd help us God to 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 just pull back a little from our our rushed lives so that we might hear your voice and follow your lead we know that you have been preparing people and I know that there are people this week whose hearts you've been preparing and I pray that Lord we would be sensitive to follow your leading that someone might come to know Christ this week. That someone might have a seed planted in their heart this week that they might find hope in Jesus. Lord, lead us in the desert roads to the people who are dry and in need of the living water that you provide. Father, make us sensitive to your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.